So this afternoon, Pam and I, after we've celebrated Mother's Day with a great dinner, we're going to go home, and as is the tradition in our house, she will grab the newspaper, today's paper, full of global events, world news, good versus evil, crises, sports, politics, and a lot of ads. And I kid you not, she will go through the paper and she will pull out this section right here. It's usually separated. It's full of ads. And when I watched her do this, I thought, well, she's going for the ads. No, she actually pulls out this page, immediately goes to the back page, which is usually loaded with pictures. This morning, there's less pictures, but there's more on front. And she'll go right to people. She'll pull out the page and start looking at people. And she'll look at this page because it's usually full of of honors given and people who have helped community and it's, it, and people who are, she'll go through and she'll go, oh, we know that person. And oh, yeah, remember, remember them. And, and oh, look who's in there. And she'll start telling me, I, I won't even be close, but she'll be yelling through the house. You should see this. You, you look. And then she'll go to this page. Page of announcements of weddings and engagements and, and anniversaries. And, and then I'll hear, oh, oh. I think they went to school with our kids. Oh, look how cute they are. Look at this dress. And for about 10 minutes, she'll just wander through here and look at celebrations and announcements. And then she'll just stop, put the paper down, and walk off. And as far as she's concerned, those are world events. That's it. She's done. In fact... In fact, as far as she is concerned, we could save a lot of trees. Just don't print the rest of the paper and just this section. Now, it's interesting that this section is called the living section. If you were to say to Paul the Apostle, you know that news you wrote to the church in Rome, Italy? All the world events and and the news and the good versus evil and the crises that are being faced, all that information? What's your favorite section? You might think that Paul would say, oh, oh, section one, because it deals with how obvious God is. Or or section six, that talks about that the evil that's in this world does not have to be connected to you in your life. Or or, or section eight, that talks about how you are more than a conqueror through him and, and how the Holy Spirit comes into your life and changes you and makes you a powerful person. Or you, you could think that maybe it's section 12, how your, your mind is transformed and you don't conform anymore to a destructive society, but, but your life is transformed by the renewing of your mind. But I have a tendency to think that he leaves the best for last. And I think he would go to section 16, which is the last section of the book of Romans. And he would turn there and he'd say, I want to show you some pictures. I want to show you some of my friends. And he would take you from all those events and say, all of that is because of these friends, these people. See, we live in a, in a culture that believes that bigger is better, the more the merrier. And so we find ourselves, we find ourselves supersizing. We find ourselves packing it in, crowding it out, shopping till we drop. Just more and more and bigger and better and more and more and bigger and better. And at the same time, we discover 
that we feel less fulfilled. We feel overexhausted. We feel increasingly alone. We feel completely empty. And the problem is this. We're missing the living section. I was astonished to find out that right now in America, more people are leaving the church than ever before. And here are the reasons they give. Are you ready for this? Because we who are holy go, well, they're just sinners or pagans. Turn to burn. And I guess they're turning the wrong way. You know what they say? I'm afraid that I'm going to lose my faith if I stay in the church. Because what I believe my faith is, is not, is not being nurtured by the church. Some are saying, I'm mad at the church because what they promised, the life they promised through their presentations, through, through their productions, through the plethora of, of, of Bible studies, all of that has not come true. And so what they promised, they've not lived up to. And I'm going to tell you the reason I think most people are leaving the church today is they're missing the living section. And we're going to spend some time talking about that living section. It's interesting to me that when Jesus wanted to instill into us and install his life into this world, that he did not push megachurch, he did not push big satellite Bible study venues, but he pushed going tribal. Wikipedia describes tribal this way, and it's on your outline this morning. A tribe is a social group of humans connected by a, share, by a shared system of values and organized for mutual care, defense, and survival beyond that which could be attained by a lone individual or family. Romans 16 is Paul's living section. I invite you, if you have your own Bible, to turn to Romans, the 16th chapter. It's in the New Testament. You can use the Bible in the rack in front of you if you like because we're going to live there for a couple of weeks now, or several weeks. This is Paul's living section. This is where Paul goes tribal. And so for the next six weeks, what we're going to do is we are going to look at Paul's pictures. We're going to look at the people that he says, Hi, I want you to remember these folks. Here's what I want to say to these people. And looking at these lies, we're going to understand how we stay within the living section. This morning, we're going to start with this first picture. And that picture is going to bring to us some questions. I read this week, somebody said that in our world, there are three kinds of people. Those who can add and those who can't. Some of you say, what? Think it through. So I thought there were three questions in this first section. As I was going through it this week, I realized that God has made it so simple. We're coming down to just two questions. And here's the first question. The first question is this. Who is close to you? Such a vital question. This morning, just like you did, and as it will happen through the United States, as you move from time zone to time zone, people will pile in their cars. They will come into a church gathering. They'll say they're going to church. They will enter in, and some greeters will be there, probably hand them a bulletin. They'll come in. They'll sit in the pew as you have done. They will sit there, and they will worship. They'll sing songs to God, a variety of types of worship, but they will, they will worship. And then they'll hear a speech. And then... Perhaps, just perhaps, they will have 60 seconds to 120 seconds of some kind of meaningful conversation in a forced howdy and shake. 
There, you got to greet each other. Oh, I don't even know these people. Okay, hi, how are you? It's great. And then they will wander out the doors and they will leave and they will say, but I still feel empty. No wonder people are leaving the church. It's like going to a funeral, staring into the casket and saying, wow, doesn't he look good? Well, he may look good, but he's still dead. And people will come into a, in a church and say, oh, the music and, 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 and the preaching and, and it, was, it, it, it looks good. But is it alive? Have you connected to the living section? You can't just come in for program or performance. You've got to connect into the living section. Our son, Chad, just spent three months in Africa with Christy and came home this last week and I was able to pick him up. Because uh, I'd gone down to bring our other son back to Erie for a while. And I was down there. I went to Kansas City, picked up Chad, spent some time with him. And I talked about the church in South Africa that I expressed to you some thoughts about as I reported about our sabbatical last summer. And I said, what did you like about Glen Ridge Church? I said, how was the preaching? He said, well, some weeks it was really good. Some weeks it was just kind of okay. I said, well, how did you like the worship? He said, well, some weeks it was really good and some weeks it was uh, Okay. I said, well, well, how did you like the, the prayer gathering on Wednesday? He said, some weeks it was good. Some, I said, never mind. I, I know what you're saying. Did you like the church? He said, I loved it. I said, why? Because the people aren't going there for the preaching, and they're not going there for the worship, and they're not going there. I mean, they are going to pray, but what they're doing, they're coming to be with each other. They just love being with each other. It is just one incredible grouping of tribes of people. You will find that as Paul begins to reach the climax of this letter, he brings us to the point that he sees how we see how entrenched relationships are within the body of Christ. And they're they're not a, a means to an end. They are the end. That's what God had designed. So Paul begins this way in Romans 16, verse 1. He says this, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in Centria, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and to give her any help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Phoebe is from Centria. Centria is about seven miles outside of Corinth. She evidently lived there and then transitioned somewhat to Corinth because Paul began to understand who she was there. And he says, I want you to understand that she was so vital within the groupings of people that are followers of Christ in both Centria and Corinth. She, in fact, she was a deacon. And, and she served there in a magnificent way. He says, so here's what I want you to understand. That she was a great help. And this is, this is a great, a great uh, expression. In fact, Pastor John, I'm going to have you stand. I want, I want to demonstrate this. Come on, stand by me here. She was a great help. The, the, the Greek word there is prohistomai, which means to, to stand next to, not just not to stand apart like this, but to actually be standing close to each other in a way that there is a covenant relationship. There is a connection that she stood with folks, not just showing up on a Sunday of worship and then going home and doing her thing, but they were connected in a weekly basis. On, on, on a daily basis, there was a covenant relationship, a connecting point. The pro part of that word histomai means to stand in front. And I think it has two pieces to it. The first is this, to stand in front in a very masculine way to protect. Pastor Don, come attack John. Come on. Prohistomai says, no, you can't do it. Go sit down, you're strong. 
Bill. So this woman, Phoebe, was in front of these folks protecting them and strong, but I think it also means this, that in front of and facing, protecting them from themselves, saying, what's in your life? How are you doing? What can I do for you? How can I help you? So this connecting was both protection and helping through with whatever's happening in the intimacy of that person's life. Thanks, Pastor John. And she did that on a regular basis. She said, this is the woman that's coming to be with you. So what is Jesus' strategy? This is an amazing thing. What is Jesus' strategy in introducing his life into our world? And he does it in such a unique way. So I'm going to use some some help today, and nobody knows I'm calling on him, and I'm not going to embarrass you, but I need your help. And I'm going to work, work with you guys right here. Let me start with you. Come on up here. Actually, I need, and don't, don't talk about him. You're up now. Come on. Here. Come stand with me. Pa- Pastor John, go stand over there. You're John the Baptist. You get locusts and, and honey today, and that's all you get to eat. Okay, so go stand by Pastor John, and you guys are, are John and Andrew. John and Andrew, right here. These are John and Andrew, who are followers of John the Baptist. So, so baptize. Not these guys, just be baptizing. Okay, this is John the Baptist. He's baptizing and telling people they need to be baptized for, for the repentance of their sins. He's been telling them about the fact that he's waiting for a Messiah to come. And so... I'll be Messiah. I have that complex. So, Messiah's walking by. John the Baptist is baptizing. And as I walk by, John the Baptist says, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Say it out loud. There it is. Now, these guys, John and Andrew, good buddies from the same town. So that's it. You guys are good. These guys recognize that the Messiah they've been waiting for has just walked by. So why deal with John the Baptist anymore? So they follow the Messiah. Now, Jesus knows he's being stalked. And so it's just it's a humorous moment. Jesus turns around and says to them and catches them in this like, celebrity status that Jesus is now seen as the Messiah, catches them kind of, whoa, he caught us, and he says to them, what do you want? Now, these guys answer in such an intelligent way with such a deep question. They say, um, um, where are you staying? So, say, where are you staying? That's great. So, the Messiah takes them with him, come boys, And they go over to where he's staying, and he spends 12 hours with the boys. Turn this way. They love your face. Okay. 12 hours with the boys. They're having a great time. Now, Andrew. Here, Andrew. Hello. Hi. Andrew has a brother named Simon Peter, actually just known as Simon. Go get Simon over there. Whoever you want to be Simon, go get him and bring him over here. Simon, come on over. Because he says to Simon, we have found the Messiah. No, no, he says it to you. Okay. And Jesus turns to Simon and says, Rocky. Rocky, welcome to the group. Now we've got a brothers and a friend. Now, 
you would think that the Messiah would want a demographic sampling of the region to help establish his group and his networking of people. He doesn't do that. He goes back to their hometown of Bethsaida in Galilee. You guys stay here. And he goes over here to find a guy named Philip. Philip, come on with me. Philip knows these guys because he's from the same town. High five him, Philip. All right. And Philip, I say, come follow me. Philip says, hey, I'll go follow you. Now, Philip has a friend in that same town named Nathaniel. Go get Nathaniel. Nathaniel, get up here. So Philip says to Nathaniel, we have found the Messiah. Say that. We have, exactly, we have found the Messiah. And Nathaniel says, and you say, he's from Nazareth. And you say, dude, how can anything good come out of Nazareth? Out of Na- That's exactly right. You guys are great actors. So, so now where's John? You're John. You've got a brother named James. And he works with you on the, on, on the boat. So go get James. All right. Chase. Now notice that Philip said, we have found the Messiah. Who is we? It's this whole gang of brothers, co-workers, and guys from the same hometown. Understand that Jesus is to be discovered in the company of friends. Thanks, guys. Did a great job. Let me ask you this. Where do you think Jesus would want to be? A week ago, Saturday, I finished work here at about 1 o'clock in the afternoon, and I wanted to get some lunch, and Pam was working, so I headed over to Buffalo Wild Wings because they have Buffalo Wild Wings and because they have TVs everywhere and sports is on. And so I did my spiritual part, and I'm done, and now I'm going to have Wild Wings, and hope my doc's not here, and then... And then I'm going to watch some games. And I didn't realize it because usually when I go in there, it's kind of crowded, but not really crowded. That Saturday, it was packed because the Pittsburgh Penguins were playing. So I walked in, and they found me a seat, and I looked around, and there were all these rabid fans. And they're not just guys who are friends, but guys and girls who are friends seated at tables. They're eating food and drinking, and families together. And they're all wearing penguin jerseys and hats and 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 when they get close to scoring a goal you hear oh yeah then you hear oh and it'd be back and forth and back and forth and these people are having a great time families are together and there's these tribes of people who are all in there just loving this event and it's a social gathering sunday morning we gather here and there's this worship and it's oh and we're just we're together and it's it's lovely and it's and it's just it builds the spirit and it's just it's incredible which one of those do you think jesus enjoys the most buffalo wild wings (laughs) it's like asking somebody do you like breathing in or breathing out well my question my answer is what did i do last because that will determine what i do next you see, we have this tendency in the church to think that everything centers on the Sunday morning worship celebration. 
Jesus loves that because this is the place that we, we together focus. And when we corporately worship, there's a release of power. And when we pray for each other, there's a release of power. And when we hear his spoken, his written word through those speaking, it, it energizes us and encourages us. And it's vitally important that we do that. But Jesus knows what it's like to hang out with tribes of people who don't even believe in him. And it's like them saying, hey, Jesus, I'm heading over to Buffalo Wild Wings. Penguins are playing. You want to go? And Jesus said, yeah, I'll go. I love the penguins. I'm going. They're my team. And so they take him in and they sit him down. Hey, this is Bobby and Bubba and Janice. And, and they got the shirts on. And hey, Jesus, want a beer? And just, you know, they're having a great time. And, and, and Jesus said, no, I'll make my own. And so... <laughs> Okay, it was wine, but still. And so, you know, I can just see him sliding a jersey over Jesus, and the hat's backwards, and it's just, and it, yeah! And they're high-fiving it, and, 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 and in between the commercials, they're talking to Jesus. Jesus, what are you doing in the area? And how did you meet Bubba? Well, Bubba invited me, and so, and Bubba and I have been talking about, you know, his life, and, you know, Bubba's going through a hard time. We know Bubba's about ready to divorce. How are you helping him? And, and there's this incredible conversation, and, and Jesus said, I've got to go now, and, and, and they turn to Bubba, and they go, he's great. It just he's just fun to be with. And when he showed up, there was just like there was just something happening here. You say, nah, that really wouldn't happen. Oh yeah. Luke seven records this. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and, and other sinners. That word friend does not mean just an acquaintance, it actually means a fondness. A fondness of tax collectors really hated people and sinners, which would be everything from just nasty people to prostitutes to whatever. I mean, the classification just means a whole bunch of filth. I'm telling you, a whole bunch of filth. And Jesus hangs out with them and has a fondness for them. When Jesus said, when he left this earth, he said to us, now, here's the deal. I want you to go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world and just take me there. Just take me. And, and we have this image of this structured missions program. It just simply means this, that you start at home and then you may end up over here and, and over here and then maybe to the, uh, some far-flung place in the world. But it doesn't mean you just show up there to say, hey, 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 Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you and Jesus loves you and I get to go back home. It actually means that I go and I plant myself with this tribe and I hang with them for a really long time because they are Becoming my friends, not a means to an end, but because friendship is the end. Because Jesus said, I'm a friend of sinners. And he said, because you're my friends, I reveal to you the Father. So I'm just going to hang out with you guys. And it's interesting that when Paul went to different places on his missionary journeys, unless he got beat up and kicked out, he'd spend two to three years with friends and stay connected to those friends for the rest of his life. It's built on tribes. Jesus wants him to be discovered within the company of friends. Matthew was a tax collector. So Matthew meets the Holy One. What does he do with his unholy friends? Here's what Matthew records, Matthew 9. Later, when Jesus was eating supper at Matthew's house with his close friends, a lot of disreputable characters came and joined them. That disreputable character means, again, sinners and tax collectors. And when the religious people saw him keeping that kind of company, they had a fit and lit into Jesus' followers. What kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and riffraff? 
Jesus overhearing shot back, hey, who needs a doctor, the healthy or the sick? Go figure out what the scripture means. I'm after mercy, not religion. I'm here to invite outsiders, not coddle the insiders. Matthew stays connected to his friends. Coming to Jesus does not in any shape, form, mean that you leave the people you've been with. You stay connected. We are not to jettison our friends. We are to become better friends. What about family? You know, I came to Jesus and my family's giving me a tough time and they do stuff that I shouldn't be doing and what do I do? We're not to leave our families. We're just to love them better. So Peter and Andrew take Jesus to their home and, and Peter's mother-in-law is there and this is what happens. Mark records it, Mark one twenty-nine. Directly on leaving the meeting place, they came to Simon and Andrew's house accompanied by James and John. See, there's the guys all hanging out together. Simon's mother-in-law was sick in bed, burning up with fever. They told Jesus... And he went to her took her hand and raised her up. And no sooner had the fever left than she was up fixing dinner for them. That evening after sun was down, they brought sick and evil afflicted people to him. The whole city lined up at his door. You see this? He said, I'm bringing Jesus home. And we don't know what his mother-in-law's view of this Jesus was, whether she had been, been influenced by those who said that he's, he's hypocritical and he says he's a Messiah, but he's crazy. We don't know any of that stuff. We just know that she was sick and they brought Jesus home and they said, Jesus, can you help us? And Jesus healed her and she got up and began serving and caring for them. And the word spread through that little village and they kept showing up at the door saying, hey, your friends are here and they've got sick people and you've got relatives here and they've got sick people. Jesus, can you help here? When you bring Jesus home, he affects your family and your friends. You say, but wait, wait, wait. What if my friends, what if they, um, what if they do stuff that, that I'm trying to get away from? What, what, what if they're still, they're still heavy into drugs and I'm not? What if they're, they're still getting drunk on the weekends and I'm trying to get away from that? What do I do? I think the best description I have for you is this. Don't remain when you can't resist, and don't resist when you can remain. And it simply means this, that if I'm having troubles and I'm still not over my drug addiction, then I don't hang out with them when they're doing drugs, but I can try to meet with them whenever I can, and I'm outside that influence. If they're going to get drunk, then I probably won't go get drunk with them unless I can withstand that temptation and just be there with them. I will go where they want to go as long as I can resist what they are doing and yet care for them and love them and not come in with a pious, self-righteous attitude that says, I don't drink anymore because I'm a Christian. Poof. Hey, can I help you drive you home? Hey, man, you're wasted. Can I, can I help you through this, this issue? Jesus wants us to hang out with our friends and stay with them as they walk through this journey in life. Because if you don't do it, who's going to? Because Jesus said, I go after the tribes. You stay together. You say, well, but, but then they'll influence me. Then you need to get stronger in Jesus. You need to work through that. Because that's Jesus' plan. Several years ago, not in this city, Bob and Connie were building a tribe of friends in their, in their neighborhood. And so they connected with Brett and Tara, who were just, you know, they're a young couple, and they've got some kids, and they're partiers, and they're just they're having a great time. And, 
and Bob and Connie are talking to them and, and loving them, and they're doing stuff together. And, and, and then they start talking about Bob and Connie's lifestyle and, and why they deal with what they deal with, how they do that. And they re- recognize that, that Jesus is involved in this whole process. And, and so Tara starts asking questions about Jesus, and, and she hates church. She just hates church. The reason she hates church is because her mother lives in San Francisco, and her mother is a, a strong... Um, radical gay activist she's gay herself has been that way raised tara after she left uh, tara's mom left her father began this gay relationship moved to san francisco tara was raised with her and then not only is is a strong gay activist but she's also a goddess and so is that whole mix and so tara came to my office one day and said can i talk to you and and i met her just through bob and connie i said sure come in she said okay Tell me about Jesus, because if Jesus hates my mom, I can't love Jesus. Because every place I've gone to, every church tells me Jesus hates her. I said, oh, no, Jesus doesn't hate her. Jesus loves her. Jesus loves her more than you love her. I said, well, what are our lifestyles? I said, look, there's a lot of lifestyles that we're addicted to that Jesus takes care of when we get to know him. And, and, and a gay lifestyle and an adulterous lifestyle and a gossip's lifestyle and, and, and an embezzler's lifestyle and an, an anger per, angry person's lifestyle all displease Jesus. So we're all having to get cleaned up. But we love her. I said, okay. So Tara started coming and eventually said, I can trust this Jesus. And so she started walking with Jesus and she brought Brett and he said, these people are weird. And at one point, we're in a small group gathering of just some tribal people together, and, and Brett and Tara were having an emergency, and so somebody said, hey, Brett and Tara, we're going to pray for you. And suddenly the whole group just surrounded them and put their hands on them, which they've never had done before, and it just freaked Brett out. He said, they're putting their hands on me. And just, Nobody puts their hands on me. He's kind of a tough guy. And so things change after that prayer, and so he starts coming to church. And he said, but don't, no, he said, I will never stand and raise my hands like you weirdos. I'm, just, I'm not going to do that thing. Well, he comes to this relationship with Jesus, and it starts, and eventually he's, he's loving Jesus, and however Jesus wants to express himself, he does, and it's just this wonderful thing. So we walk through that with them, and it's getting tribal. Well, see, the tribe also has to include Tara's mom who comes to visit, and she comes on Easter Sunday. She said, I'm not going to your church, but we have this gathering of the tribe together. There's like, like 15 fa- or 10 families that get together at one person's house on Easter Sunday after service, and it's a big meal, and we have laughter and fun and play games, and it's just, it's just it's great. It's tribal. It's, just, it's a group. And so Tara's mom shows up, and she is just loaded for arguments because she's expecting this, this stereotypical group of Christians who hate her, who scream at her, who, who hold banners against her. And, and so she shows up, and she is just firing out questions and, and statements and nobody nobody hooks nobody gets in an argument where they just love her and they care for her and they just love having her there and they're hugging her and it's just it's a great thing and she just starts joining in she forgets she forgets that she's come ready for a battle and she starts having fun and on the way home she she turns to tara and she says i came ready for the prejudice of your friends but i've discovered today that I am the one with the prejudice. Now, I don't know what's happened to her since we moved from Oregon. But I'm going to tell you this, that if she stays connected to that tribe, they will remain her friend no matter what her stance is because it's part of the tribe and Jesus loves her. So who are you close to? The second question is this. 
Who is in front of you? Tax collectors were hated by the Jews. They were sellouts. They cooperated with the Romans, and they embezzled from their friends. And the people that hated those tax collectors the most were zealots or Zionists who were committed to the fact that they were going to overthrow the Romans. So, so you, you have this group, this tribe of, of friends, these guys from Bethsaida and who are hanging out and, and discovering Jesus. And it's this, this tribe of people that Jesus has connected. And now we've got some new people. You, you, get, you get Matthew, the tax collector, and, and then you get Simon, the zealots. And Jesus brings these two together, the zealots and the tax collector. That's like asking Ted Kennedy and James Dobson to co-write a paper on family values. It's like oil and water. Sparks are going to fly. In addition to that, those two coming together, then showing up where these guys are. I I think the boys from Bethsaida say, hey, look at these guys. Who, Who invited Don Corleone and Rambo? Who invited these two? Here they are. See, they were not selected by chance. They were not voted in by by a worldwide audience who called in. Jesus spent time with them, and here's what Mark says, Mark 3.13. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12, designated them apostles, that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus said, I spent time with these guys. I have prayed for them. And I asked the Father, are these the guys? And the Father has said they are. And so now I bring them in. And so the boys from Bethsaida, along with the zealot and along with the tax collector, are coming together because I commend them to one another. The word commend is a Greek word, and it's sunhistomai. In fact, let me just illustrate this again. Pastor John, stand up. Now, we just we did pro-histomai. We're going to do soon-histomai. Come stand by me. Histomai. I'm next to him, and, and we're in covenant relationship. And it means that I stand with him. And I commend him to you. The same thing that Paul did for Phoebe. He said to that church in Rome, I'm sending her, and I stand next to her. We are as one. So if you accept me, you accept her because we're the same tribe, and I want her in your tribe. Now you take her. You may not know her, but I've commended her to you. So here you go. Receive her. Pastor Don, just stand right there, if you will. He said, I want you to receive her. The word is is, is right there, prosdecomai. And it simply means that you move forward with open arms to accept. So here's what I want you to do. I'm standing, and if you're going to receive me, then I want you to receive her or him. And, and so he moves towards you, and you open up your arms, and you embrace. That he actually in the letter will say, greet each other with a holy kiss. <laughs> eh, we're not too New Testament here. See, this woman is going to show up to Rome, not know anybody, and she's showing up under the encouragement of of Paul who says, I know this woman, now open up your arms and receive her. And when she shows up, she's going to show up in this tribal small church, this small gathering, and in that place they are to receive her as they would Paul the Apostle. 
She's not going to show up from some big event, as you may have done this morning, do a little worship. Hardly anybody said hi except when I made them turn to you, and then you walk out these doors. No, when she showed up, she was embraced. She was said hello to. They got to know her, and then probably they took her out for dinner because it was the culture and because it's tribe. And they are together. See, we got so used to this large expression that we have forgotten that the early church was basically small groups of people in home churches. And we have lost that, 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 that dynamic. We're, we're, we're mega people. And we say, you know, if we have something really big, that big expression is going to change the world. No, it does not. Tribes together change the world. So let me, let me demonstrate this to you. It has no spiritual, no surface spiritual connection, but I want you to see it. I want you to see a big expression. This last year in Antwerp, Belgium, in the train station, people were just doing their own thing, just traveling by each other, not connecting in any way, not doing anything, and suddenly they're invited to this wonderful celebration that just startled them. Let me show you.
so this morning we're going to play the music, and if you would. <laughs> so here's the deal. I watched that, and I thought, yes, the dance and, the, and the, all the people, and, and it was a surprise, and it was a celebration, and, and, and the people on the outside were starting to get the rhythm, and they're starting to get involved, and then it's over. And then they just all leave. Now, the people who danced it are great because there are a whole bunch of tribes of dancers who came together to form that wonderful expression, and they get to go off with laughter and joy and dance and more of the same. And all the other people who thought, that is so great, are just standing there, and they're just left on their own. What do they do? We come here on Sunday morning, and we have this great celebration, and we're just, it's wonderful, and we have all these tribes of people and families come together, and we're worshiping, and then we wander off, and others who came to enjoy the dance and the music turn, and they've got nobody else. What do they do? The question is, who's in front of you? Who did Jesus send to commend in front of you, to take hold of that person and invite them into your tribe? Because this is a tribal gathering. So the, the church that Chad went to and visited for three months, that Pam and I visited for one month, was amazing when it comes to tribal connections because Christy and Jesse have this tribal connection with friends. And so two to three times a week, they get together with their friends, and we got involved with their friends, and they're wonderful friends, and we understood their history and their life and got to talk with them. And it just drew us in. We have lifelong friends. Another part of that tribe said, come pray with us on, on a Thursday morning. And I got to meet some of the elders of the church, and, and they embraced me, and they let me be part of their tribe. And in the middle of all that prayer time and, and conversation and meeting with them individually at times, they began to pray over my life and spoke prophetically into my life that changed it. And it would never happen if they hadn't invited me into their tribe. One of them, Pam and I go out in a cafe, and we're sitting there eating with him and, and he's talking to us and he says just in the middle of the of the the, the middle of the this, this cafe he says can i pray for you he turns to pam can i pray for you and she says sure and he begins to pray over her right there and then he breaks into a prophetic word and prophesies into her life right there and it is it is just so crisp and right and and permeates right to where it needs to and it is so amazing because it's a tribal thing see we've got this belief that we come together to the big dance and if somebody has a prophetic word it'll happen here and then we all leave no in fact a couple of weeks i'm going to talk about this the prophetic and all of those spiritual giftings should be happening in your tribal gatherings whether it's at dinner or at that smoky bones or it's in a prayer meeting it should be happening right where you are because that is the movement of god it is nothing religious and it is nothing organized it is an organism and it is tribal. And we felt so embraced by those people. Jesus drew big crowds, but it was not his focus. In fact, he appointed 12 that he hung around with so often, and he just drew them in. It was his tribe, and he understood them, and he knew them by name, and he knew their potential, and he gave them a destiny. And out of those 12, he had three, three that were really a close tribe that he drew, and he spent time with them. See, I want us to understand that the church is not just a large expression, but it's a simple conversation. It's what God intends for us to do with each other. And then secondly, when Jesus spent time with these three, they got to see his glory like no one else did. They got firmer rebukes like no one else did. 
they got to see his raising of the dead as no one else did. There was this deep intimacy. And please understand this truth that Jesus knew. To go broad with many, you go deep with a few. You spend time and go deep with those people. And as they did, they began to interact with others and they created more tribes. And it went from 3 to 12 to 120 to 3,000 and they kept being small tribes. They didn't gather as 3,000 every week. They gathered in small groups in tribes. And you have a tribe. And who needs to be involved in your tribe? Who's around you that you need to embrace and bring in? Say, how do I do that? Can I just give you some practical advice? As you're developing tribes of, of people who follow Jesus and tribes of just friends who are, who are on journey to understand Jesus and some even who don't even like Jesus, but they hang out with you. Share your histories. Tell your journey. Because there's this uniqueness about us just telling our stories. It helps bind us together. That's why Jesus took them to his place for 12 hours and just sat there with, with John and Andrew and talked to them because he's sharing history. Where'd you grow up? Tell me about your spiritual journey. Tell me why you hate God. Tell me why you, you follow Jesus. Tell me, tell me why you, you, you worship in Islam. Tell me that stuff. I want to know that stuff. Tell me why you're a devoted Jew. Tell me that. And we have this, this discourse, and we still love each other. And it's our tribe. Secondly, share your experiences. Go play together. Go serve together. Jesus said, I chose these guys to be with me so we could go do that together. Bottom line is this. It's difficult to do because if it was easy, we'd all be doing it. But it is difficult because when you get tribes together, you have problems. Moms, today, you've raised kids. You know it wasn't beautiful all the time. You know that you wanted to strangle them at times. You know that it was beautiful and you know that it was ugly. You know that it was sweet and, oh, sometimes it was really sour. And, and sometimes it was like this. So that's not how you clean a computer screen. You know, even though Mallory did that, her mom stays with her. So here's the deal. In the tribal connecting, and we're going to talk about that now in these next weeks, we still stay together. See, all this stuff of people going from church to church to church generally is because they're going from program to program, production to production, because if they're part of a tribe, they don't budge. And, and we've had enough of this moving around. I, you know, I meet with 12 other pastors or, or 11 other pastors every month, and we all say the same thing. Will you people please sit still? Quit going from this place because we, we will. We will. We'll sit there and go, okay, so do you have so-and-so this year? Yeah, we've got them. And then somebody else said, yeah, I had them last year or I had them two years ago. We know who you are. We're tracking you. Oh, yeah, they'll stay with you three years. They'll be gone. We know your history because, see, the pastors here have been anywhere here have been anywhere from 10 to 25 years. They know. We're tracking you. We have face recognition in these cameras. We see you. 
So will you quit just looking for programs and all that stuff? Because it doesn't work. It doesn't matter. It's the tribe that matters. Get connected. Then you grow up in Jesus. That's the issue. So I have an assignment for you. The assignment is this. Figure out who your tribe is, who you're close to, and recognize it and say it to each other. Hey, you're my tribe. Make it a declaration. We're tribe, and we're sticking together. And if things get messy, we're still sticking together. Here's our tribe. Second thing, who needs to be included in your tribe? Who's in front of you? Who did Jesus commend to you? And you say, I don't know them that well, but I, I sense that's the deal because they're all by themselves. So we'll, we'll pull them in. And then share your history and share your experiences together, and you will grow together in tribe. And then what you'll be able to do is you'll be able to say, I commend to you, John Richardson, because he has served well. I've watched him. He has, he has protected people. He has spoken into their lives. And as he comes to you, and now, by the way, this is not his resignation. I'm just using him as an example because it would surprise him too. <laughs> but take him now and embrace him because he is a follower of Jesus and he will do well with you. Embrace him. Because I know him. He's been part of our tribe. Now take him into yours. Will you stand? Folks, we're tribes. And we've got to stay connected as tribes. So let me pray for you. I want to bless you. Now may you have the great insight to see who it is that you're close to and have the love to embrace them and the patience to walk with them and the power to speak into their lives and the patience to even deal with those who don't follow Jesus the way that they should as far as you're concerned. May you love them as Jesus loved those who didn't believe in him. And may your patience and your love be evidence that Jesus does live here and now and in your tribe. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Have a great day.